Would you take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Mark? As you see in your worship guide, we'll be in Mark chapter 4, looking at verses 21 to 34. We took a bit of a respite from Mark to go for our summer in the Psalms, and we covered Psalm 31 to 40. And I love the Psalms because it gives us a voice to some things that we're going through in our in our hearts and our minds, and that God gives us permission to to give a voice to. But now we go back to the Gospels, and the Gospels is basically a um, an inspired glimpse. It's an inspired glimpse into what the gospel uh, and what Jesus' life is all about and his earthly life because he's one who is from all of eternity and he will be through all of eternity. So yeah, we're at Mark chapter number four, uh, verses 21 to, to 34. And so I'm going to ask you if you would to stand as we read his word together. Mark chapter four again. Beginning in verse 21, going to the end of the chapter in verse 34, says this. And he said to them, is a lamp brought into in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the earth, then the ear rather than the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, At once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord stands forever. You may be seated. I just want to say this real quick before we actually get into the passage. I wanted to just to make sure that you all are still praying uh, for our next steps process, we are about to land this plane. Uh, so just pray for us tomorrow as our vision team uh, for this next steps. We meet tomorrow and Tuesday for five hours each day uh, from four to nine. So if you could just pray for us that we would be able just to, you know, if you remember, if you ever watched Tom and Jerry, you may remember Tom with the toothpicks keeping the eyes open, especially as it gets toward the end. If you would just uh, just pray for us, but we want to just make sure that we're honoring the Lord as far as the direction that God has for our church. And I just want to just say this. Um, and I've said this every time, your vision and your insight team that you've selected, they are representing you well. And we are leaning into what God has already called us to be as ARBC. And we'll see what God has for us in the, in the days ahead. So again, I just want to make sure I didn't miss that opportunity to ask you to pray for us in that regard. But again, we're back in Mark. And Mark, again, is, uh, it's very different from the other gospels in that Mark is on the move. 
And I'm thankful for that. There's a lot of immediately's. And immediately Jesus did this. And immediately Jesus went and did this. And so Mark is on the move. As opposed to if you read through Matthew and Luke and John, it takes their time going through all of these particular things. But what, what is wonderful is seeing what the kingdom of God, when the kingdom of God is coming on earth when it, in the person of Jesus Christ, how many things are upset and how many things are shaken. It's almost like the demonic activity is getting into full force because they know that something is happening when Jesus arrives. The powers that be, the, especially the religious leaders that be, they seem to be having an issue uh, with what Jesus is saying, and he is upsetting their apple cart of their power and their influence and their recognition. But the vulnerable, the ones that are in need of healing, the ones that are in need of help, Jesus sees them, hears them, cares for them, does something about them. They're not put off to the side. In fact, Jesus spends a great deal of time with each of them, and there's something to be said for all of these. But the disciples are having a front row seat to all that Jesus is doing. And because of the inspired work of the Holy Scriptures, we can have a front row seat to all that Jesus is doing. If you want to know who Jesus is, you could try to come up with your own ideas, but if you're trying to come up with your own ideas and not interacting with what's being said here in the Scriptures, then you're missing a great deal, a great deal. In fact, you're missing it all of what Jesus is all about and what he is, he is trying to do among us. Now, it's been a while since we've looked at this, but this is now in the context, in the wake of this previous parable from Mark 4, 1 to 20, where Jesus is talking about that there's a sower that goes out to sow seed, and that seed is the word of God, and that seed lands on certain types of soil, and each of those soils represent the type of heart that we have. There's some where it's like a soil that's on, that lands on a well-worn path. And a preacher could get up and preach the word, preach the word, preach the word, preach the word, and it doesn't land at all. And in fact, it says the birds just come and just take it right off. It doesn't get in the soil. But there's some that gets on the, the, the shallow soil where it pops up very quickly. But then the tribulation and the cares of things that are happening uh, make it all wither away. That's what the sun is representing. It's just burning things up as soon as hard times come. Well, then there's the, the thorny soil to where the word is growing up, but because of the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world, it chokes it out. So you could be saying amen on a Sunday morning. Yes, amen. Love the word, love the word. Monday comes along, the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world choke out what you may have heard 24 hours prior. And we got to be really careful not to let something that is so shallow and so transient choke out the things that are eternal. You got to be careful about that. And then there's the good soil. And the good soil, where it begins to produce 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, that good soil is there. And you know it's good soil because you're hearing the, hearing the word, hearing it, accepting it. And this is where I think we as Southern Baptists stop. But we need to realize that Jesus keeps going. Bear fruit. The word that is planted in our hearts is meant not to just be held up and just put in a silo. Thank you. No, it's supposed to be planted. We are supposed to take the word that's been planted in us, speak it, say it, talk about it to others, have those gospel conversations with others so that it begins to bear fruit elsewhere. If you want to use another metaphor, again, the, the water, we're not just a reservoir. You've heard me say this a million times, but we're conduits. 
We're conduits of the word. So if we say that we have received Christ, you know, we've heard the word, we received Christ, I'm going to heaven. Amen. Well, what are you doing with the word that you heard? You plant it in other hearts. And that's what this parable, well, it's actually three parables that Jesus puts one after one after one. And they're all showing us that the fact that Jesus came to bring the kingdom and that kingdom is ushered in on his word. And that what we are doing now with that word ministry counts for eternity, not just for right now. And we've been hearing all through the Psalms, we don't know how much longer we have, that we need to, Lord, teach me to measure my days. Teach me to make that what I'm doing counts, that it matters, that I'm not wasting my life for the cause of Christ, but, but that Christ is worth it. That's where we have to go. That's what we have to see. And we have to ask ourselves if we are bearing fruit for the cause of Christ or if we're just holding it back and not saying anything to our detriment and really to the disobedience of the kingdom. Well, first of all, let's look at this first parable here from uh, 21 to 25. And here's what it's being said. Let Christ and his word shine brightly. Let Christ and his word shine brightly. So Jesus is, again, upsetting all of these little particular apple carts that are here in the world. He's upsetting everything, and yet here he's talking to us as his disciples. And he's giving us himself. And he's giving us his word. What are we doing with it? Now, when we look at this passage, we see that there's a lamp. Now, now you got to remember, it's not a lamp like it's standing up with the light bulb and all that. It, the, the, then a lamp was, it was basically a bowl that was pinched on the ends, and there was oil in the middle of it, and there, you would throw a wick in it, and then you would light that wick, and it would, it would be just like an open bowl in a way. Well, if you're going to have that to, to serve as a lamp, what's the purpose of a lamp? To light a room. The purpose of a lamp is not to be where I'm going to get a lamp and I'm going to get the oil and I'll do all of this and I'm going to cover it. That's absurd. Or I'm going to put it under the bed. Well, you'll light your bed on fire. There, there's just all sorts of problems. When you don't use something for its intended use, you can't be surprised when, hey, th- th- why, did, why did this work wrong? Well, read the directions. See what the directions are and what you're supposed to be doing. So when we look at this, is a lamp brought in to be under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? And the answer to that is, well, no, it's not meant for that. But keep in mind something else. When you're looking at this passage, it says, is a lamp, and it could be just any old ordinary lamp. But you got to pray for your translators because sometimes the translators have to make a call on something and, and, and 99.999999% of the time they get it just superbly. But this is where the issue is, is that it's really is the lamp. Definite article, not an indefinite, not a lamp, not any lamp, but the lamp. And when we know from Christ that he is the light of the world, the light of the world. And when you read in John 1, where it talks about how Jesus came as the light and the darkness has not overcome it. Am I going to have to mention my mammoth cave experience again? When we're all in the dark and that one little light comes up and the, and the darkness scatters? That's Jesus. And that's why everybody was so upset that had a stake in this world. Whether it was the religious leaders or whether it was the demonic activity. They, that's why they were so upset. Because Jesus was cutting through that darkness that they had well established. And so, 
He's going to do that for you now. You could be in such darkness, you may not realize you're in darkness because it's so dark. But when the light begins to come, it may be too much for you. I say lean into the light. See all that Jesus has. See all that Jesus is for you. Verse 22, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. For if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Oh, by the way, don't forget Psalm 119.105, right? That your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Another word, I will hide your word in my heart that I may not sin against God. There is an aspect here where, the, where Jesus, as they've been talking about the kingdom being established all through the Old Testament, now Jesus comes and here it is. The time is now, the kingdom is here. Repent and believe the gospel. That was the first words that Jesus said when, he, when we have the gospel of Mark. Those are the first words. His kingdom is here. Spurgeon one time said, keep the word of God and the word of God will keep you. Are you keeping it? Are you in his word daily? Saying, Lord, what do you have for me? Are you, are you sharing his word with others? Because when you look at verses 23 to 25, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Do you have ears to hear what God is saying to you? Or are you just ignoring it? That could be a condition of a hardened heart that doesn't care anything about the things of God. But that's to your peril. Why would you disregard the one that gave you life? Why would you disregard him and not run to the life? Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That measure, it's, ta- it's derived from a term like, it's a marketing term, referring to a weight or a significance that's attributed to whatever is being carried. That's what it is with Jesus. Jesus is that measure. He is of ultimate significance. His word is of ultimate significance. But if you take his word and don't use it for the way it's, it's supposed to be, but you turn over that measure bucket and, and cut out all the light, then what's going to happen is, is that even what you already have will be taken from you. Your life. For all of eternity. But if you take his word and listen to his word and listen to what he has said about how you can be rescued from your sin and brokenness, that what you have, more will be given to you for you to be able to give out. He will bless you more with the word for you to go and bless others with the word. It is not, it is not, God has not simply called us to just simply make a decision so we will go to heaven. We have work to do. He has given us an assignment. And that assignment is to go and tell others about who Jesus is and what he has done. Faith comes by hearing, remember, and hearing by the word of Christ. Here's the second part. Know that his word does work unbeknownst to us. It's the first time I've ever used that word in a, in a sermon like that. Unbeknownst, but it's a great word. So you look at verses 26 to 29. Look at what's said here. Let me put it back in front of you. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade and then the ear and then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts it in the sickle because the harvest has come. 
I remember when I was in second or third grade and we had these, remember milk cartons, those little milk cartons and you'd cut off the top of the milk carton. They put some soil in it and put some seeds in it. And it was that time of the year, I guess, where you would try to figure out how you're going to grow something. And what, as is my impulse, especially when I was younger, I would, whenever I was doing something or over something, I would look at it and overanalyze it and just be all over it. And I would water that thing because I wanted to see it grow. And I would water it and water it and water it and water it and water it. How do you think that thing went? I basically drowned the thing. I basically drowned the seed. You know, and I was the one, everybody else had something that was growing up way out here with all those leaves and all that, the mean people. And then all of a sudden I get this, I have this little bit. Well, what did you do? Well, I watered it a lot. Yeah, you drowned it. What'd you do? Why'd you do that? And so there's a lesson that's there is that sometimes you can't be in control of every little thing and every little piece of growth. There are just some times where you're going to have to just let things go the way they are, or in this case, You have to realize that there are things that, yes, you are called to do. You are called to plant the seed and water it. But 1 Corinthians 3 tells us that I plant and others water, but God is the one that gives the growth. So I don't have a green thumb by any stretch of the imagination, but my my father does, my mom does, and I didn't get any of that. But what what I'm seeing here is that I love this picture of the fact is that it exposes a number of things. One, it exposes the fact that God is at work. Whether we know he's at work or not, or whether we sense he's at work or not, we know that he is at work in, in, in getting his word to do what it does. But it also exposes our impatience. How many times have we done a ministry in the neighborhood where we've gone and knocked on doors and we say, I want to pray for you. I want to tell you a little bit about Jesus. I want to do this. I want to do that. And no one comes the next week. Failure, right? We feel like that it went wrong. There's something that went wrong. In fact, I had someone tell me, well, we tried that 20 years ago. It didn't work, so I'm not going to do it again, right? Tried it 20 years ago. That it, it makes, but the thing is, is that we have a microwave mentality. When we do something, we want to see results now. But yet how many times if you've been a Sunday school, let's say you've been a Sunday school teacher of little tiny kids, Maybe they were, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. And every single week, you're telling them about Jesus, telling them about Jesus, telling them about Jesus. Suppose you're in a discipling group and you may have a couple of people that don't trust in Christ. And, and, and you're like, I've been doing this for a year. Nothing's going on. You don't know that. You, you, are, th- you are going by your timetable. But what you're doing is you're being obedient And how many times maybe it's happened to you where someone has grown up and they've tracked you down, not stalked you, but tracked you down. And they've said, you know, I remember what you told me when I was in that class. And the Lord rescued me. And I just want to thank you for that. Now, you may not get the thank yous, but what you get is this. When I I was in... um, I was a youth pastor, 98 to 01, South Florida. And there were some guys that were in that group that, oh, my word. I, I mean, they were like, I, I don't know how do you describe it, but like when we would go off to a youth camp, they couldn't get to sleep till about 3 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. Right. So that's why, you know, that we, what got me out of youth ministry? Lock-ins. 
Lock-ins got me out of YouTube. No, God, God called me on. I, I say that just in jest a little bit. There, there's a little piece of that. But what is, what is so cool is that over the last three, four, five, six, ten years, there's a couple of guys one was one's Josh Sherrill, who is an associate pastor in South Florida. And then there's another guy that I went to together for the gospel with. Name's Tommy McCluskey. Tommy was one of those guys who would not get to sleep until 3 o'clock in the morning. And now he's a pastor at a church in North Carolina. And they tracked me down. And I, th- I thought, see, the thing was for me, I thought I had no effect. I thought I had no effect. I thought I was just talking to these guys and it was just rolling right off like duck, like water off a duck's back. I, that's what I thought was going on. And God used a lot of people in their lives to bring them to the place where they are right now. Just like God used people in my life. And really that was one of the things we talked about at the men's breakfast uh, yesterday was thinking of someone that was a catalyst for you coming to Christ. We spent 10 seconds, like Mr. Rogers would tell us to do. I'll watch the time, 10 seconds. And we thought about that. And people shared. And then it was the other side of it where it's like, okay, now can you be that person to somebody else? Like that person, like a person was for you, can you be that person to someone else? You can give up very quickly because again, we want results now. And if we don't get results now or even in three months, six months, a year, even five years, that there's something inside us because of the pressure that we have of the false metrics that the world is putting on us that we think, well, if we're, if we're not getting results now, listen, trust Christ and his word. He has promised in Isaiah 55 that everything, that his word will not return void, empty, but it will accomplish all that it seeks to accomplish. What I think has happened in other churches around is that they have gotten impatient with the word. And so now they're starting to try to do something else in order to be able to get results quicker. And man, the magazines come and the websites come and and those folks get celebrated. But the fact is, is that every one of us, regardless of the style of churches that we have, we have to be thinking about this. Do we truly trust Christ with the word that he has given to us and that he is going to work in his way and in his time? And do we trust him enough to talk about it to other people? Tim Corbin, he mentioned this about when he was a a, a church planter. That's the word, church planter, up in in Seattle. And I mentioned this last week. People in other areas like that, they don't have any problem telling you about what they believe. And yet we're so resistant and reticent to say anything about that because we're afraid of offending people. You know, well, maybe because of the urgency of the times and knowing that we don't know how much time we have and knowing the urgency of all that Christ has done and the urgency of the fact that if that person were to die without Christ... They would be in an eternal hell away from Christ with no other options anymore. That should give us an urgency. If they're telling us about what they believe, why shouldn't we be ready to tell others about what we believe? Especially since we know, not if we know, since we know, it's the truth. Why do we hold back? What are we afraid is going to happen? What happens if they kill us? We're with Jesus. What happens if they make fun of us? Can we get over that? Well, Jesus is on our side. I hope we can. Do you see? 
God is moving and working in a way that just like that little plant. We don't understand how it works. You know, we could we can get into that, but still, how does that work? Well, it works because there is a process that's going on. How does someone come to know Christ? There's a process that goes on, and it may not always be A and B and C and D in this particular time frame. But we know God is moving, and God is working, and I hope God is moving and working in you. So that's where I love this last one here, that God, number three, well, that we know that God uses our smallest contributions for kingdom work. He uses our smallest contributions for kingdom work. Please understand this. Some of you may have seen that movie uh, where it was, uh, it was uh, Matthew McConaughey and, and Matthew Fox were in a movie, uh, Marshall. We, and, and they kept saying this because all of the football team, and I think it was 1969, 1970, it was when the Marshall football team crashed and they were all gone. And none of, them, none of them made it out. And so they had to redo this football team. And that was one of the things they kept saying is we are Marshall. Okay. When we look at the responsibility that God has given to us, and we start talking about the ministry of the word, when we think of somebody having the ministry of the word, this is usually, at least in our context, what we normally think. Well, that's the preacher. That's the pastor. Sometimes they call me preacher. That's okay. That's the preacher, that's the Sunday school teachers, that's those who have a gift of evangelism, and that's it. Now, Tim Keller talks about three levels of word ministry, and and that third level is that the ones who are designed and where there's a service that is designed and someone that is up there like I'm doing right now, a structured service where the preaching of the word happens. The second level is Sunday school teachers and discussions and small groups, but level one Level one, what is, what is interesting about all of this is that level one, is, this is what Keller says, every Christian should be able to give both teaching and admonition that convey to others the teaching of the Bible. Every Christian. Every Christian. This must be done carefully, though, and formally in conversations that are usually one-to-one. That's the most fundamental form of the ministry of the word. So when you think of we are Marshall. Okay, think about this. It's a stretch, I get it. We are, not I am a minister of the word, not they are ministers of the word, but as Christians, we are ministers of the word. Every single one of us has that privilege, that joy, that honor, that responsibility. So do we approach the worship service with being ready to understand how to minister the word better? Do we approach our Sunday school classes, understand how to minister the word better? Because you think, well, I don't have that training. I don't have that capability. What this parable, this last parable is saying very quickly is this. Let me read it. What can we compare the kingdom of God for what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the, of all the seeds on earth, known seeds on the earth. Please understand at that time. Yeah, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make its shade. You say, I'm supposed to be a minister of the world. I can't do all of that big stuff. No, do what you can. Plant that seed where you can. Because God uses our smallest contributions for big kingdom work. We may not realize it now, but we, can real, but we may see it later on. God has given us all spiritual gifts. 
And when we look, when you see passages like 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about this in 1 Corinthians 12, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Each of us. Not certain people. Everyone that's a follower of Jesus has a gift that God has called them to use for the common good. Verse 11, all of these empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So he may give some of you a really big portion of a certain gift. He may give to some of you a smaller portion of another gift. You could say, well, I wish I had the big portion of that gift. No, what you say is, Lord, thank you for giving me what you have so I can use what I have for your glory and for the good of those that are around us. God uses these small things, a mustard seed. Yes, I know, we now know there are smaller seeds on the earth. They didn't then. So Jesus was going by what they knew then because he would have had to track back. Well, there's actually a smaller one over somewhere else. And then you'd have, he'd have spending, be spending all this time. No, there wasn't. Yes, there was. No, there wasn't. So he goes by what they know. And that's what we have to realize. Use what God has given you. Don't hold back because you're not like that other guy or that other woman. Use what God has given you. Use the gifts that God has given you to love him, to worship him, to speak his word, to serve him, to give, to have those gospel conversations. Use, the, use what God has given to you for his glory and for the good that, are, that, people are, that people have. So we see verses 33 and 34. So he speaks to those that aren't a part of the kingdom yet. He speaks to them as, in parables because if he had done that, if he had just gone right out and said, you need to make a choice now, well, it would have been trying to like drink a water out of a fire hose. It's like, whoa, that's too much to be able to do it. And then they would just completely reject it. He would have gone too far ahead. What he's saying is, I'm telling you a parable of a story that you will be able to understand that connects with a a heavenly understanding, and I'm giving it to you as you're able to hear it. That's what he's saying. He spoke to them as they were able to hear. But when he started speaking to his Christians, he started speaking to his disciples who had a front row seat, he was playing. Why? Because God had entrusted through Christ, God had entrusted these disciples to be the foundation of the church that was to be built for generations to come. And we are still the beneficiaries of that. And those that come after us are the beneficiaries. So here's the question. What are we handing off to them? We are not in a Judeo-Christian ethic type of society anymore to where we think everybody kind of gets it. I'll give you an example. Let me see if you get this reference. Went to, see, uh, went to see Wanda Burns yesterday. And Wanda Burns has a, has a condition where uh, she just has a lot of fluid, getting fluid off. And, you know, and, she, and she was sitting there with this. She wouldn't mind me saying this. She was sitting there because there was fluid there. And she said, just call me Sarah. Okay, now Wanda's 92 years old. Just call me Sarah. Now, how many of us would get that reference? Now, I'm glad I did. You know, because Sarah, Abraham and Sarah, Sarah had Isaac at 90 years old. And so that was, the, that was the connection. The thing is, is that maybe not everybody gets that reference and it's not there to make you feel bad about not getting that reference. It's pretty obscure, to be fair. But the fact is, is that the, the generation that may have given us the gospel, that may have given us that, that rhythm of church, Bible reading, 
things along that line. That may have been what we received. May not have been. This, but in general, that for some of you, that may have been what you received. What are you passing on to them? What are you passing on to your kids? What am I passing on to my kids? What am I passing on to my grandkids? You say, well, I don't think I have the skills to be able to really share the gospel. God uses our smallest contributions for big work. It doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to go for it. You're planting a seed. And maybe in 5, 10, 20 years, the penny will drop for them and they'll come back to you. I get it, mom and dad. I get it. Thank you for being patient. But they may not come back. They may not come back and say, I get it. And you could feel like a failure. Even as you were taking them to church and telling them the gospel, you may feel like a failure. Maybe if I had done this, I'd... We need to take the pressure off of ourselves in thinking, it's all on us. It's not. You do with what you have, what you can, and trust God for the results. Trust God. Because that's the metric. The metric is not results. The metric is obedience. The metric is bearing fruit. And if you're bearing fruit, glory to God that he changed our sorry hides who are dead in our sins and trespasses. And now we're wanting to live for him. That's, that's amazing. And so now we are going to pray that someone does that, that we can talk to or someone else talks to. We have to make sure that we are real, realizing that. But we have a responsibility. Are you in taking the word? Are you hearing it, accepting it, bearing fruit? Is, do you, is there good soil in your heart? You know what? Jesus Christ is not only a great physician, he's a great farmer that will plow up that fallow ground so that your heart will be able to receive his word and receive it well, and believe it or not, you'll be able to bear fruit. No one, as long as they're breathing on this earth, is too far gone. Isn't that a praise? How wonderful is that? Use what God has given to you. Don't be afraid to share his word. It's the greatest transformative agent in the world. The word, empowered by the Spirit, can change any heart and any life. Have you trusted in Christ this morning? Don't leave here without knowing who he is and what he's done. Because if you're outside of Christ, I just got to believe that you believe that you know that the path that you're on right now is not going to be a good path. But if that's where you are, I'll pray that the Holy Spirit shows you truth and shows you the reality. But if you happen to be a follower of Jesus, you name the name of Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Yes, I love Jesus. Am I following Jesus? Yes, I'm following Jesus. Are you bearing fruit? Because if you're not bearing fruit, what happens is he says that branch is dead and will be thrown into the fire. It's about bearing fruit. It's not just about decisions. It's about bearing fruit. Can I say it one more time? It's about bearing fruit. And he will take whatever you have and whatever he's given you, the smallest contribution, to use it for big kingdom things. Big, anything in this world that's of the kingdom of God is a big thing. So I'm going to pray for us now that God would just just take over all of our hearts and minds and that he would use each of us here at Arapahoe Road in whatever lane he's put us in for his glory and for the good of those that are around us. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here that has not received Christ as Lord and Savior, that, Lord, you would show them. There's nothing that I can say. There's nothing that I can do that can change anyone's hearts. But I know your word does. 
We're, we're going to plant seeds and we're going to keep planting and keep planting and keep watering and keep watering because we are not ashamed of you. And we know that you will give the growth as you see fit in the timing that you see fit. We trust you. But Father, if there is a harvest to be found now, I pray, Lord, that this would be the day for so many who need to know you as Lord and Savior. And Father, for those of us who do name the name of Christ, it's not you've not just called us to rest on our laurels because we're going to heaven. That's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is for us to glorify your Son and bear fruit of the Word, to hear, to accept, to bear fruit. And Lord, I pray now that we would examine our hearts and lives and ask ourselves, are we bearing fruit? And ask you, Holy Spirit, are we bearing fruit for you? And if not, would you use us while we are here with the time that we have as we measure our days? Use us, Father, for your glory and for the good of everyone that's around us. And may we not leave here knowing, without knowing that we are yours and that we are right with you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are getting ready to sing.